0: You're listening to the Built Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. It is championship season all this month on Midco SN, continuing with full coverage of the NSIC baseball tournament starting on May 19th, followed by every game from the Summer League Baseball Championships beginning May 27th. It's all on Midco SN. This is how we do sports, and this is the Built Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Build Shaves podcast. We are taping this on a Tuesday morning, May the 18th. Alex Seiner, Build Shaves, here with you for as long as it takes today, because we've got a lot of stuff to get to, as this is kind of the last pod of the regular season, I guess you could say. We're going to start to tape, taper off and go into summer mode soon. Bill, how are you? How does the pod find you this afternoon?
1: Alex? Or this morning, I should y- say. Yeah, <laughs> no, good, Alex. It's all good. How about you? How's everything going in your world?
0: doing well. Yeah, it's it's good. It's all good. I know, same thing. Same thing here. We're transitioning into summer mode, getting ready for a new baby. Lots of stuff going on. It's exciting. Exciting times in the hundred house.
1: I think that's great. No, same. Uh obviously the uh temperature gauge has has gone up a little bit. Um you know, finished off uh, uh, certainly one of the sports that was still playing last week in softball. And then uh, and then track and field, we're kind of in a little bit of a wait and see mode right now to see whether or not uh, some of our uh, student-athletes uh, make the West Regionals.
0: The main topics on this pod will be those two sports, wrapping up spring seasons for softball and track and field. We'll talk a little college football too, delve into a fun B-side where we're going to break down every facet of the Harry Kane saga that's happening so stay tuned for that not really but um but let's let's start with the most recent track and field taking place down in vermilion summit league conference championships uh nine all summit league honors for our track and field athletes the women finished fourth the men fifth kind of a kind of a unique couple of days we had a weather delay on saturday kind of the big day broken up into two sessions almost but another really strong couple of days for our kids as school records fall and these young men and women set new prs all across the board bill
1: Yeah, you know, um, congratulations to uh, South Dakota for running a great event. Uh, I know Kyle Doporowski was down there. He's our track and field. He oversees track and field as a sport administrator. And so uh, he was down there. And, um, yeah, good three days. And, uh, you know, in talking with him uh, after we kind of debriefed everything, it it would appear that we are in in wait mode with – with a number of our student athletes to see whether or not uh, there's a, uh, um, a, you know, opportunity for them to go to the West regionals. So, uh, so it should be interesting, Alex.
0: The way, Track and field works both in the indoor and outdoor season. You, know, you win, you, you're, you you perform, and you do your best over the course of a regular season. You have your conference tournament, and then you break it up into these two preliminary meets for the West and the East, and then the best of the best from that go on to the NCAA championships. West prelims are coming up uh, at Texas A&M at College Station at the end of this month, May 27th through 29th, and then Eugene, Oregon, Town USA will host the national championships on June 9th. Through the 12th and we we believe we do it we will have a couple of athletes going it just depends on who sort of makes the cut how it all kind of shakes out in the next couple of days so you've
1: got destiny rose haas in the discus mm-hmm. is a possibility christopher evenson in the shot is a possibility lucy Steinmeier in the 400 and erica eads in the 1500 and the 800 so again i think the way what track works you've got to see who's declared uh at this point in time and then based on your performances, whether or not you make the cut line.
0: Yeah. Shout out to Lucy, who was a a champion in the 400 in recent seasons for UND. She came back for that extra year this year. And even though she didn't win the race on Saturday in the 400, she lost to a gal from South Dakota that ran a 53-2 or a 53-3, like a crazy time. Uh, Lucy became the first North Dakota female athlete to run a sub 54-400, which is blazing. She ran a 53-9 to take second place. And you and the Insider put out a great little recap video that kind of talked to a couple of our athletes. And we got to hear from Christine Engel addressing the team after the meet. But they show Lucy after she finishes that race. And if you're not a track and field person, you know, you see someone crosses in front of her and she crosses the finish line. And you might think, oh, you know, she must be bummed. She got second place. She didn't win. And she's so excited because she broke that 54 barrier. And that's one of the big things about track that you're competing against yourself more than you're competing against the opposition. Cool to see someone have that kind of a joy, breaking a mark that they have been gunning for, I'm sure, really their entire life.
1: Yeah, it's that is interesting. And it, you're describing it really, really well, almost like golf in a weird way, right? Like, yeah. like if you hit your own best score – we could be playing against each other and it just might be that you're just a better golfer than me but all of a sudden you know i I broke par right i mean maybe a 71 or something like that and you know you could have lost but at the end of the day it was a it was a pr for you
0: yeah i'm sure that i am not a better golfer than you i can Almost guarantee that, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe someday, maybe someday we'll put that to the test. Coming this summer, the Bill Chaves podcast at Kingswalk. <laughs> we'll see.
1: Or at Ray Richards. You never or know. Or at Ray
0: Richards. There you go. There you go. Might exactly. be
1: better for us that it's only nine holes.
0: <laughs> it, may, it very well might be oh count me in for the summer that'll be fun yeah. that'll be good that'll be good oh uh, so congrats again to, to christine and the teams for strong performances this weekend again we'll wait and see check again just be refreshing fightinghawks.com and, and be paying attention to social media as those west prelim spots get doled out here in the week to come uh, on the softball side UND did a great job splitting with Kansas City the final weekend of the regular season to clinch their spot in the Summit League Championships. Jordan-Steven's squad was the sixth seed bill. And then they go and make some noise down in Fargo. They knock off North Dakota State, who had been, I don't know how many years in a row they had won the conference tournament. I mean, nine or 10 years in a row was like this crazy run for the Bison. UND goes and beats them in Fargo in 10 innings, a crazy game in which they come from behind and they win six to five. Their first win in the Summit League tournament in program history, I know it's only been a couple of seasons, but great accomplishment for Jordan Stevens' crew. They would go on into the winner's bracket and then lose a couple of tough games uh, where the bats just didn't come alive to the two teams who ended up playing for the championship, Omaha, the two seed, and then the eventual winner, South Dakota State, the one seed. But even though you don't you know, go as far as maybe you would like, to win a game and to do so on the road like that in those circumstances, great building blocks again for this program moving forward.
1: Yeah, we had all of it. You know, th- this team was... Uh you know, the strength was pitching and defense for sure. And, uh, you know, if we could push across runs, uh, you know, we were going to be a tough out and, uh, and, and, and being down the way we were against, uh, the bison and then coming all the way back and then, uh, and then winning in extras was, uh, was special for sure. And then, uh, the next day I I shot down there and watched us get no hit. And, uh, and the Omaha pitcher, she was good. She was good. She was, she was, she was on, uh, you know, she was in the zone that day, uh, or, at least that game uh and then turned right around and boy played played the jackrabbits really tough and and to the point where obviously obviously i would say omaha was rooting for us given the fact that south dakota state the year that they've had has just been tremendous and so and we came close we came close to uh finding a way of knocking them out and uh so you know kind of a good way to end it so to speak um uh, lots to build on moving forward. And, uh, you know, I know Coach Stevens will, will try to figure out, you know, how to, uh, you know, maybe uh, tweak uh, certainly our offense to some degree to try to score more runs. But a uh, but lot to look forward to next year.
0: Jordan mentioned to us earlier in the season, uh, before a couple of games that we were going to do on Midco with UND Softball, that, you know, th- this is a team that at times, they know their limitations as an offense. And when they would get down, you know, three or four nothing, He said, you know, sometimes it feels like our our shoulders slump because we know we're probably not going to be able to get back into games. And so for them to not do that in a critical moment with the season on the line against North Dakota State to keep the belief and to come back, that's special. You know, and that comes from the leadership, you know, from the coaching staff to the seniors on down. And so, like you said... It's one of those years that you can take bits and pieces from and build on and then look and see what you need to address in the off season about how to get better at the plate, certainly. But again, nothing but good things to say about what this softball team accomplished this season and what, what the future looks to be ahead for them now as they move into the next year.
1: You know, Alex, and the one thing we're really not discussing right now, which is comforting that we're not is anything COVID related and you know <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the fact that we're just, we just played games and we played yeah. a tournament and certainly testing was still part of the regiment so to speak and there was cadence and all that but you know kind of is, is a good thing that we're not discussing, you know, the fact that a game wasn't played or not had. And, uh, you know, we, I think we had one bump, uh, with, uh, with our, our team to some degree that unfortunately couldn't play, uh, um, you know, but that was really about it. Everything else sort of, you know, happened like it normally does. And we, maybe what we had those last two games uh, against South Dakota state that was canceled because of weather, but you're going to have those anyways.
0: Yeah, it's. I'm glad you brought that up because it it feels so normal. You know, it, the last month almost really, we didn't have a lot of those issues with COVID. We didn't have games postponed. There wasn't as much jeopardy going into a weekend of, oh, is this going to happen or not? And the fact too that you know we had some fans in the stands and different things. I think now, even though we still have track and field preliminaries and NCAA championships to come, now that the sports season is starting to wind down and a lot of teams are, have finished for the year it is incredible to look back a little bit and see how far we've come, you know, really from last spring at this time when nothing was happening, you know, to the fall when there was so much doubt and some hurdles to overcome through the winter and through the spring. But just, it's so incredible that I think student athletes this year at least got a majority of their games in, that they got to have that college athlete experience, that they graduated, happy graduation to all these kids that have now wrapped up and have their diplomas. It's really It was a hard year in a lot of respects and certainly you know better than anybody how tough it was for coaches and athletes but it's a year we were able to persevere through and, and cross the finish line. And that really hits home, I think, this week, now that yeah. we're on this side of it.
1: Yeah, lots of, certainly congratulations to all the graduates, uh, both student athletes and just students, uh, that's a big deal. Um, obviously, the reason why we exist from a mission standpoint, right? To to educate, um, you know, future leaders, future professionals, it's it's exciting. So uh, that's uh, that was uh, a lot of fun this past weekend. Uh, You're right. So I think if we reflect back, there's so many thank yous. Uh, You know, the the initial thank you really goes to our administration, our our entire administration at UND, who, who really supported us having us play games and competing and knowing how important that was for, for a number of folks, um, you know, to try to get to a level of normalcy. And then, then it came back to, you know, our, our staff and our coaches and our student athletes to adhere to the protocols that we were literally putting in play. Uh, sometimes it was day by day. I mean, sometimes we literally were getting things coming to us and we're like, Oh, okay. Um, quick zoom. Quick Zoom. Uh, All right, what does this mean? Uh, Steve Westering, what does this mean? What does this mean? Eric Martinson, Kara Helmick, help me. I'm not sure what this means and so then we would go and try to figure it out and then get the head coaches on a zoom and say hey look this is kind of where we're at now things have kind of changed and you know the whole testing piece and for the state to help us through and have all the the testing that was done at the pollard center um there's just so many thank yous that that um that that are needed to be said for us to compete and that was the, you know, that was the conversation we had on this pod a lot was, you know, we were going to stay right focused on the word competition. And if we could compete, we were going to do that. And that was exciting for us. And, uh, you know, now we're almost to the end here for this particular year and certainly better than what happened last academic year. And, uh, right. and you know, the the things that we have to navigate and negotiate now is, you know, last spring, uh, those athletes were able to get an extra year. Now, the fall and the winter athletes are in the same boat. So we're grinding through a lot of that uh, conversation, along with the newfound portal for five sports that uh, that that you know had never had that before. Add in the extra COVID year, and uh, just a lot of stuff to navigate at this point, which we are.
0: I've got to think that a lot of those things are going to take up your time the majority of your time perhaps this summer when you look at your summer checklist bill what does kind of stand out to you i'm again assuming the things you just listed off are probably pretty high up there
1: yeah you know i'd say this alex you know i i I try to um i try to uh get to a point where if i'm not working on certain things then i'm probably off base, and I need to kind of recalibrate or recenter. One of them is at this point, we're in a 70 year old building with HISLA. Memorial Stadium has come down. We do need to figure out the next iteration for a lot of our sports at this point, as far as where they're housed on a day to day basis. And, you know, many of our places that we actually play in are awesome, but But the actual day to day existence of our student athletes, we just need to keep grinding and and keep getting better in that regard. And if you came to campus, it's amazing. Some of the things that are happening right now, as far Mm -hmm. as some of the buildings that are maybe being taken offline that have kind of served its purpose and there was deferred maintenance on them. And so this is a whole conversation institutionally, not just athletics. And uh, it's exciting times. The Memorial Union uh, is gonna open here in the, in the summer slash late summer for the academic year. I'm watching the Nistler School of Business literally like happen right before your very eyes. I mean, there's a library has, uh, Chester Fritz Library has had a, a, a refurbish done to it. So there's just a lot of exciting things happening on campus. And we're part of that as well.
0: It is exciting. And it, it the development has been stunning really in the last 12 months even when you think about the changes made just to University Avenue and how the whole makeup of the campus looks so different. And now, yeah, as you said, some of the big changes with Memorial Stadium going down, the new union going up. It, if you've not been to campus, even in just a year, you will be shocked at what you will see. And hopefully, if things continue to go as they have been going and the CDC continues to feel comfortable with where we are as a country and we can lift some restrictions and fans can be – Uh, you know, on-campus sites to watch our sporting events come the fall, you're going to get the opportunity to come and enjoy and see and experience. And I think you're going to like what you see if you're listening out there and haven't been back uh, walking around campus here in a little bit.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it, it, even this year, uh, the Alara Center with the new turf has been tremendous. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we're just, you know, there's a, there's a number of things that maybe we're at, at the end of life that we're trying to figure out what the next iteration is. And so that's, the, those are some of the things I would say from a UND perspective that we're working on. And then the other pieces, just monitoring the landscape as far as, you know, what what's happening in from an NCA standpoint? What, what are some of the changes that are going to be, uh, you know, uh, occurring, whether it be the name image likeness, you know, uh, a lot of the transfer conversations are still being had. And so uh, we just have to be on it and uh just make sure that we're educating as far as what the next legislation might be and uh you know it's no different honestly alex than what we've dealt with over the course of time things change and they evolve and so you know i i'm i'm still perplexed why we don't have an nil legislation from a NCA standpoint and there might be more to the story so to speak that i'm just not privy to but it seems like, uh, um, you know, that's probably going to be a summer thing. So when we pod at some point, maybe once in June, once in July, maybe we'll have more information.
0: Yes. Loyal listeners, be reassured that Bill's take on what's going on in the national landscape and locally as well will continue as the summer moves along. We, we joke this is kind of like our spring finale, but we'll keep going with the Bill Shaves pod on a, on a still semi-regular basis until the school year picks back up again in August. So stay tuned for those things. A couple other non-UND but still UND related things that happened recently. This past weekend down in Frisco, Texas, we had a fellow Missouri Valley Conference school who we beat take on a team from the Southland that we had beat a couple times in recent seasons for an FCS National Championship. Heck of a game, Bill. Odd game, of course, with a long weather delay and awful awful conditions to start the game for both south dakota state and sam houston but really fun game in the end and a great advertisement for fcs football on abc on national television that the bearcats end up winning 23 21 in the end
1: yeah you know and you know what it tells you a couple things uh Obviously our program is knocking on the door. Uh, I think we're, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're playing, I'll call it the best of the best at the FCS has to offer. And I think we're playing at a, uh, at a very high level. Uh, When you do get to the playoffs, home games matter. And uh, you know, you saw Sam Houston, uh, you know, kind of ran the table four straight and uh, all one score games you know, less than probably five points on, on many of them. And it, it really came down to the last play for them. And so that's, that's the margin, you know, that's the margin at, at that level. And so I think it was a great uh, experience for our, our team to uh, to experience that. And I think we have a shot, uh, you know, as we move forward, as far as that game itself, you know, it's tough. You lose your quarterback in the first series. I, yeah. I mean, you know, they, It kind of got stalled there for about two and a half quarters and uh, really tough. That's a that's a really, really tough one uh, that 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 occurred. But, you know, certainly that's that sport to some degree that that injuries do play a part and uh, literally the next person up. Right. And so you have to be prepared at all times.
0: It has to just take the wind out of your sails when you see your guy go down like that, as you said on the first series. And Mark Gronowski was just a freshman, but was the leader of that football team in a lot of sense. And he was the Valley Player of the Year and all those different accolades. And you could see them trying to adjust. And and the kid who came in, Keaton Heidi, had to do the same thing last season in 2019, where he had to play about half the season because the starter at that time had gotten hurt, Shabori Gibbs. But it's not quite the same when you prepare your game plan based on this player, and now he's gone. Now you got to completely change your system. But give them a lot of credit again; they they hung in there and they had the the crazy run by Isaiah Davis to make it, you know to put them on top late in that game. And but like you said, it comes down to one or two plays, and there were a couple of fourth down plays that Sam Houston converted, and they get the big touchdown on third down, and and uh, that that was that. But yeah, like you said, the fact that UND really. Handily beat South Dakota State earlier in the season and had recent success against the Sam Houston team. And we're right there in the quarterfinals this year against the James Madison team that easily could have beat Sam Houston. That was such a crazy game in the semifinals, just big momentum swings all over the place. These are good stepping stones, you know, for this program. And they've got to look and see: hey, these are teams that we have played and beaten in recent seasons. Why why not us? Here now come the fall. Because it will be a very quick turnaround now. You just get a couple of months. And it'll be fall practice right It coming up again in august it's crazy how quick of a turnaround that's going to be
1: for sure and and i think when we when we knew that the uh, spring was going to be the uh um the regular season for this particular year the 2020 year campaign if you will I had a lot of conversations with coach schweiger about you know what does the calendar look like for the next 12 months and he made sure that he was you know, uh, really thoughtful on, you know, how much, uh, I guess, that you put down the gas pedal or not. I mean, and to some degree, you had to be really thoughtful because you didn't know when your season was going to end. And then you want to make sure that there's some decompression so that you can get away from it and then uh, and then get back at it in August. And so uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I thought the spring was uh, incredibly valuable programmatically for us. And so now we just have to continue to build on it. in a really, you know, hard, tough league. I mean, each, yeah. each game is its own. Each season's its and so you know the one thing you get is you just don't go back to the quarterfinals when the games start in late august early september like that's not how it goes right like so you come back and you're zero and zero and here we go again
0: (laughs) i know it's for from a football perspective it is exciting to think that that is Really just a couple of months away and pretty soon that home home opener against Drake, not that far off, you know, and you get to go to Utah State this year and there's a big sky rival with Idaho State involved. And and then this great Valley season that, that starts with NDSU at home for the first time since the early 2000s, you know, on October the 2nd. There's, there's a lot of excitement that comes with those things. That schedule's out, by the way, now on fightinghawks.com if you want to check it out. But, uh, but they're also, again, just that turnaround. Guys got to get healthy and get ready to go for another big season. Um, last thing on spring football, there was a little bit of buzz, again, coming off that national title game of different people saying, hey, maybe this should be the spot for FCS football moving forward. Maybe the spring is the time where we should play FCS or D2 or D3. Like What? what are your thoughts? I feel like I know your thoughts, but what are your thoughts to people who would say, this is a better spotlight for these schools. This is a better opportunity for them to gain more national attention. Maybe the spring should be when we play the FCS season.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I, you know what was great about this is I think there's always been a little bit of conversation about this, but now we actually had to do it. And mm. I don't know. I, I think traditionally uh, football's in the fall and I think it's a fall sport. I think it aligns with the calendars, uh, for the NFL and for the CFL. And I just think, uh, if you're looking to go on and play professionally for as long as you can, I think it would be really difficult for you to play FCS football in the spring long-term. And so I thought this was the right decision for this subdivision this year. I really do. I thought it was, a uh, um, you know, I didn't know how it was going to play out, but I thought uh, it worked out pretty well. There were some bumps along the way, no question mm-hmm. about it. But I thought the majority, obviously we got the games in It got all the playoff games in. So and it was great. I mean, it was close to one hundred schools that participated. so so it was a you know, um, just a unique year that you'll always remember. But um, I think going back, there's something about the fall, Alex. There's something about, I, I would say, traditionally football on a campus and a university, um, coming back, the homecoming. I It just doesn't have, to me, the same vibe in the spring. It just doesn't. Yeah. And so uh, I'm, I'm fully in the fall camp.
0: Yeah. And for what it's worth, I would be too. Again, like you said, nice to do this this year to give the kids a season out of necessity. But... Probably not the way moving forward for all those reasons you mentioned and, and more. It's, yeah, football's a fall sport. That's where it should be.
1: And for one year, we could absolutely do it. Absolutely do it. I mean, it was the right thing to do. Um, but, you know, there are facility issues. There's yeah. staffing issues, there's weather issues, there, there's a number of things that you had to kind of grind through that y- you were okay because you knew, eh, this is probably just only gonna happen one time. And But yeah. I- I'd say if it was more consistent or traditional, I just think that there could be some challenges in that regard. So, yeah, I, I'm uh, I look forward to uh, to the fall season for sure. And for those that you know are saying maybe there's too much football in a calendar year, I, I guess I would I would I would maybe debate back and say, is it better to not play for two years? You know, I mean, and because there's there's some that are going to be coming off of that as well. And so mm-hmm. um, I just think you had to manage the other six days outside of game day. And I feel really good about what Coach Schweiger and the staff has done in that regard.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would agree too. Yeah, well, it certainly brought them success in the spring. We hope for more of that come the fall, which is just, again, a couple of months away. Uh, one sport, by the way, that is involving former UND athletes that is very much ramping up right now is the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. We have 12 UND alums taking part. It's been a crazy start to the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think, what, five? Is it five? The first five? Five of the first six games? I mean, insane. All these games are going to overtime. They've all been close. They've all been exciting. It's just so much fun to see guys like TJ Oshi, you know, assisting on a game-winning goal in the first game. Tyson Joe's playing a big part in the Colorado Avalanche, winning the President's Cup this year, being the top seed in the West. You know, you could go down the list. There are so many UND guys involved in prominent roles. Uh, it just puts a smile on your face when you turn on NBC and see, oh, there's another UND guy. Oh, there's another guy that we know. Oh, yeah, look at that. It's always fun this time of year to see that take place.
1: Yeah. And so I think the other game too, Alex, maybe the, the, the game winning goal was scored like in the last five minutes of the game. So I think it was heading to overtime, and so uh, playoff <laughs> hockey is just another level. It really is. It's just uh, it's incredible. It seems like it's just a it's a one goal game waiting to happen, and so uh, just tremendous. But yeah, seeing all of our alums, uh, uh, you know, vying for the Stanley Cup is awesome. So uh, yeah, I don't know who will win. I mean, I, it seems like there's any number of teams that could win this thing.
0: Same thing every year, right? It's it's the most wide open of all the the major sporting competitions. It feels really every season, Either, despite the fact that you have these series, anybody can beat anybody if you get a hot goalie. Right. And it's true. It's a cliche, but it has some truth to it as well.
1: Totally. I, I, you know, um, you know, I thought Tampa, you know, really did a good job last year, and it seemed like they'd been knocking on the door, so to speak, but, hmm. you know, I, I you know, you're know, you looking all, at all these games right now, and I'm like, I, seriously, it is a coin flip as far as, you know, what could happen. So you could literally get knocked out first round or, or run the table, so uh, should be interesting. And for those locally, um, the wild have had a good year too and so uh you know they're kind of on a run and you know maybe avoiding colorado was was good for them to some degree i think they've had some success against vegas so uh Mm -hmm. so it should be uh should be interesting run uh for all those teams
0: yeah i would agree this is sort of a b-side topic but what summer sporting event do you most look forward to or which one will you think you'll be most invested in stanley cup playoffs nba finals we have an olympics coming up this summer we think we hope in tokyo potentially european championships for soccer coming up for the men french open what's what stands out to you
1: you know what i've I, yeah i've been a, a little bit i'll have to admit to you been uh sucked into the red sock vortex
0: ah there we go
1: i have been and so i just i like that you know we we're kind of like Evolving right into a different team, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, we've played okay. And in and, and chorus, made a big difference on that. Wait, we, we should just slide to the B side at this point. In time.
0: Let's do it, let's flip it over. Here we go. Red Sox, first and AL East, they're 25 and 17. They're playing well, Bill. They're fun to watch. Yeah, the uh, the t- Sunday was tough, bloop
1: single by Trout, like oh. literally just placed perfectly. I, I mean, it really. I mean, it should have been the third out and it should have been it 20. It should have been the 27th out. And then uh, Otani kind of wraps one around the pesky pole. And next thing you know, you're losing six to five, but you know, Matt Barnes has been lights out. He really has. And and I won't even blame him. I mean, that literally trout fought that one off for like his first hit in like 18 at bats. And then, and then Otani so strong, he just found a way to, to, to get that one done. But yeah, teams played well pitch has pitched, uh, way better than i anticipated
0: isn't it crazy i mean that was there were a lot of question marks about this team certainly starting pitching was a huge question mark coming into the season and they have found a way and i it's been a great bounce back year for jd martinez which has certainly helped and they've gotten some guys who have stepped up verdugo has played really well but yeah it's been the pitching has been The story, you know, we thought they were going to be a scrappy team that would maybe have to win a lot of like seven six type games, and that really hasn't necessarily been the case. They've gotten some really good performances from their starters and from their bullpen as well. That's been fantastic.
1: Yeah, and so you know for sure, uh, you know, Bloom is probably not going to uh, be, let's just say, your favorite uh, anytime soon because of the Mookie trade. But at the end of Mm -hmm. the day, (laughs) you got to give him credit for the Pavetta trade and you know he actually got workman now back in AAA, and who knows he might work his way literally back into the bullpen in boston but pavetta's been good a change of scenery was uh, what he needed and so uh yeah uh, you know they've got they're going to be in the mix i mean that that's what i'll tell you i mean in their middle of the lineup now that jd's hitting again and literally i think watching his video i think that was a big deal last year i think uh, you know they 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 didn't allow him to do that but with devers And uh, JD and Bogarts in the middle of that lineup, they're going to score runs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun team to watch again, all of a sudden. And they seem to be enjoying their baseball. This was such a morose team last year. And for good reason. I mean, they were bad. And we knew they were going to be bad. And they were coming off that big trade. And the morale was so, so low. And now you get Cora back. And you've had 12 months to heal, essentially, from the Mookie fiasco. And now you're kind of back on track again. So it's been fun to see them succeed. Fun to see the Yankees be terrible um condolences to the twins fans it's been tough to see the twins be so bad but it's also been sort of fun to, to see the fan base be, just be <laughs> i'm not even sure what the right word is the the fan base has been galvanized by the poor showing of, of the twins this year and you wish you wish they concerned things around god bless them I,
1: I, and you never know i mean uh you know they they've just been in a really tough uh, you know they've lost games all all which way and um and and then buxton gets off really to an MVP start. And then unfortunately he finds himself on the IL. So, you know, it, it is tough, you know, obviously one of our great alums is Dave St. Peter. And so, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I always wish him well, uh, you know, and, but every year is its own. And, you know, we went through it last year with the Red Sox and it, here's what I'll tell you though, Alex, this is what I was saying to a, a few of my buddies over the weekend, a couple of Red Sox fans that I like to commiserate with sometimes or celebrate with is, um, every once in a great while it's not a bad thing to be a seller because you can do some things that you normally can't do and I you know they would have never done that Pavetta trade if they weren't in sell mode at some point point. and you know the Yankees did that with Gleybar Torres right when they uh mm-hmm. when they traded Chapman to the Cubs and so every once in a great while that's not the worst thing in the world and so if I'm the twins this year okay if things aren't going well well then you know what maybe I retool and then I figure out hey how do I stock up my 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 minor league system because the Red Sox at one point right Dombrowski he is kind of king of flushing your your minor league system they're not (laughs) helping me today right yeah yeah. they can help someone else tomorrow
0: yeah exactly one of my title certainly you know but there's a price sometimes to pay for that. And this is, this is the price, the fact that you have nobody in your farm system anymore. But the, uh, that's just it though. It's all cyclical. And you know, most of these franchises are run, for the most part, by smart people. And it doesn't take too long. And you start to figure it out. And I'm sure that'll be the case for the Twins. We're already seeing the immediate returns for the Red Sox. So hopefully that continues. By the way, Bill is talking about baseball right now because he doesn't want to talk about the fact that Harry Kane wants to leave Tottenham and yeah. has now made that made that official and has put in his transfer request. And <laughs> Much <laughs> ado thoughts. about
1: nothing. Much ado about Uh-oh. nothing. Uh, Harry, Harry uh, does not have the leverage this just in. He's, he re-signed a contract that was pretty substantial for, I think, three more or four more years. So yeah. now, I don't know what the market is. I mean, I would be generally... I'll be. I, I've gotten to this point. We haven't won anything with him. Mm. so this just in could be could be on you too, could be.
0: <laughs> he is leading the league in goals and assists. He, he's leading both of those categories for the Premier League. But yes, true. <laughs> I mean, there's
1: been uh, let's call them individuals in NBA history that have led the t- you know the league in scoring, and they yeah. haven't won much. And so I'm not putting that all on. Harry, but I'm just saying, I don't know what the market is. That's the kicker. Sure. Like, like really, with COVID, you know, you would normally say that they, you know, they'd get a they'd get a ransom for him at this point in time. And then I do think they probably would figure out how to take those dollars and and make him into something else. Uh, to some degree, Alex, scoring hasn't been the issue with the Spurs. And in it, and you know what's interesting too, a, a, again, just dissecting it. They haven't conceded a lot when you look at it from a macro standpoint. It's when they concede goals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's their issue. Like like a 1-1 tie is like a dagger to the heart. <laughs> because they were up 1-0, yeah. should be up 3-0, and then they get out of there with a point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's been one of those seasons. Again, Jose Mourinho was your manager for – you know 10 12ths of the season so that's that's what you're going to get sometimes they currently sit by the way tied for sixth place with West Ham again battling for a top four spot which looks like it's probably not going to happen now based on the results in recent days including Liverpool FC winning a game the other day on the last kick of the game with a goal scored by their goaltender which is crazy crazy stuff but uh but they're still you know they're in the hunt for a Europa League spot you mentioned before the pod you just want them to finish above West Ham, which I think is great. We've just reset, <laughs> we've reset our goals. Just trying to be better than Arsenal and West Ham. That's all you care about now, and well, uh, and that's okay. That's well, all right. to, I I would say two things. I'd say
1: two things. So uh, maybe three things. So 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 one, <laughs> one yes, I do want to be ahead of West Ham and Arsenal, right? Our our London rivals. So so for sure that's important. Uh, if you're gonna play european soccer don't do what you did this year and have to go play your way in Mm. like seventh you actually have to play an inordinate amount of other games to just get into the tournament right and so even though if you're tottenham or arsenal or whatever or west ham you probably should win those games but they tax you so at the end of the day be fifth or sixth so you're automatically in the draw so, I, I mean, to me, those are like important things. Now, the other thing, that's the truth. Do you want the truth on the B side?
0: Here's I would the, love the truth.
1: Here's the truth. <laughs> Do you know what team has led the EPL in hitting the woodwork this year?
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm assuming Spurs because we're on this conversation. Yep. Is it 23
1: times? Mm. And I believe it was twice in one possession last like one little buildup. And, and again, we're just, we've been a bit unlucky this year too. So there you go. So again, <laughs> uh, but I will say this, I, I think their roster, I, I think they'll, I think you're talking five, six, seven guys gone. And depending on who the coach is going to be, or the managers going to be too. Yeah. So there mm-hmm. there's that too. So I think I've honed in on Graham Potter.
0: Mm, the Brighton manager.
1: Yeah yeah kind of a kind of a uh a pochettino type of hire mm-hmm.
0: he would be a young guy that is is British, a young Englishman who would get a chance to come in he plays a very forward thinking style of football, well liked by the analytics nerds ironically you talk about Spurs sort of being unlucky and having a tough time finishing with all the posts that's essentially been the Brighton knock all this season where they play lovely stuff they, they have great possession stats and take a ton of shots and they just don't score all that much so that would sort of be a continuation of what you've seen this season but he would probably be I would much rather if I was a Spurs fan have Graham Potter in than, than a guy that's kind of a retread around the European cycles i think that's probably better to go for someone young that has promise
1: they were talking about like a roberto martinez and i'm like you know you know it's kind of like um oh your old manager that's at Leicester right now uh, and and he's probably not going to go to the spurs after the success he's had with Leicester. why would he to some degree but I, I, I would rather do the, the Pachettino thing where a Graham Potter has has done a nice job with Brighton. It's got kept him in the league. And certainly it's a step up for him, no question, right? Oh, I yeah. mean I mean it's it a great step up. So yeah. but he's been in the league too. So I I think there's value in that. So um, that's where my chips are. But Levy's pretty pretty quiet guy. So uh, he's pretty close to the vest. So and he hasn't asked my opinion.
0: <laughs> oh, he should. I, Grand Potter would be a good hire. I, I'd be happy for you if that's the way it worked out. You could rebuild, bring in some, bring some of the seagulls in up from the South coast.
1: So that's where, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Right. I, I'm, I'm fine. I mean, we, the, the one thing that, uh that the premier league does a, a fantastic job is, you know, every place in the premier Uh, league one through 20 what has a financial attachment to it and obviously it has connection as to whether you're going to play further football or not be in the league at all and so it's just it's really incredible as we head toward sunday where all the kickoffs are what all at the same time
0: all at the same time yep all at the same time yeah that the final day of the season is always great and they're all across the networks of nbc and you can kind of either flip back and forth or, or whatever and have multiple screens going and it's um they do that right i think soccer does get that last day of the season vibe right better than any other sport whether that's in a competition like the world cup where everybody's playing at the same time in your group so you can't you know, know the result, and then just kind of say, "Ah, we know. We you know, we just need a draw to advance, etc." We're just gonna take it easy. No, everybody plays at the same time, and it, it's that makes the drama build so much. It's really fun.
1: And I get like so the difference between this and uh, our American sports, where the NBA that was weird, right? They were trying to figure out how to manipulate their bracket, so to speak, and that just gets odd. Whereas it's almost refreshing that the last match of the year means a lot. I I mean, like literally, I mean here, here, you know, Tottenham's had kind of a, I'll call it disappointing season. And I, that's all relative. I mean, everyone's trying to get their places in, but it is a big deal to beat out a certain, uh, certain teams. And, uh, you know, so it it should be interesting. So we have mid mid week matches, and then we finish up with the one, uh, finish one up at the end of the uh uh weekend and so your situation though as we said pre-pod i don't really like liverpool all that much i'll have to admit to you i i i find them pretty annoying i think i find well i find jurgen klopp pretty annoying but but at the end but but at the (laughs) end of the day um your goalie scoring at the end was pretty amazing
0: it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's, they're tied 1-1 with West Brom, a bad West Brom team that's already been relegated, but had you know, always seems to find a way to bloody the nose of top-level opposition. That's kind of their thing. And it's tied. Liverpool need the win. They send the goalie up for a corner kick. Last, It's extra time, extra time upon extra time. It's like the fifth added minute of four. And somehow it just works out. I mean, the cross goes right to the head of Allison Becker and he scores this great header on the last kick of the game to win it. And great scenes. And he's he's a great guy. Allison is a Brazilian goalkeeper who Liverpool bought from Roma a couple of seasons ago. And he's uh, he lost his father earlier this season. He dedicated his goal to his late dad, like just, it's only only six times it's happened that a goalie has scored Amazing. in a Premier League game since 92. It doesn't happen often. First time since 2012, it'd almost been a decade. And it, and it was an incredibly important goal. I saw um, the statistics on Liverpool's chances of making the top four. If they draw that game, mm-hmm. were 40%. They had a 40% shot. Now it's up in the high 70s that they'll make top four. They don't quite control their own destiny, but if they win these next two games, they play tomorrow and they play on Sunday. If they win and if Chelsea drop points anywhere, they'll pass Chelsea for a top four spot. And Chelsea have to play Leicester today. So it's, it's very much in play that things can happen and they could find themselves in Europe again.
1: So here's, here's where I'll leave you with on this whole thing and maybe the whole pod. How about <laughs> Please. that? Is just for fun, um, just because maybe I, I become bored at times and I like to play games, I guess, in my own head with this stuff. <laughs> I do. I would like to see Chelsea. Uh, they've already what? Just lost the FA Cup
0: to a brilliant goal by Leicester. Did you see that goal? By yeah, the way, Purdy Telemans. Oh my goodness! Beautiful. Perfect. Continue.
1: Have a good chance of losing the Champions League final
0: to Manchester City. Yep, correct.
1: And then find themselves in fifth place. Yeah, that would be that would be the trouble.
0: <laughs> the disappointment trouble. Yeah.
1: I know. And Chelsea, it, it wouldn't bother me for it to happen to Chelsea. Like, like it. it so, I, what I said about Liverpool before, I think I like Chelsea less than Liverpool. So, <laughs> I wouldn't mind if Liverpool finishes up fourth at that point in time. And, uh, but you got to give Leicester credit. I mean, as far as a, a club that does not have the resources of the others, I think they're the, the, um, I think their wage scale is somewhat pretty competitive, though. But they certainly don't—they uh, don't bring in the revenues in normal times as the other—I'll um, say whatever you want to call them, the big six or whatever. But I mean, at the end of the day, they've done a heck of a job.
0: It's been really impressive. I mean, they won the Premier League title what 2016. I mean, that they were what a five thousand to one shot to win it and. And that was really impressive over the course of a 38-game season to be the best team in the league. That's really hard to do, and they pulled it off. And then to win an FA Cup, their first ever FA Cup. And that's a different deal, obviously. You're playing different opposition up and down the English ladder over the course of a season. But they had to knock off some some really good teams, and obviously doing so against Chelsea in the final. Brendan Rodgers, the former Liverpool manager, much maligned at times for sort of being an idealist and kind of a Kind of a goofy fella, but uh, but has done a great job with that group and they've brought in some really good young players and they mesh well. They're, they're a team that I enjoy rooting for and I enjoy succeeding because they are they are kind of this team from a smaller town in the Midlands and they don't have all the corporate sponsorship dollars, but they kind of find a way to compete. they they have some characters, Jamie Vardy is a character up front for them and has been for years, but they, they're, they're they're an outsider. And it's fun to see outsiders in a, in a league that typically does not reward outsiders do well.
1: It is, it's, it's quite amazing. And uh, now they've maintained too. I mean, that's yeah. where I think it's been awfully impressive because you're right, occasionally, sometimes maybe the moon and stars align where the Manchester's just weren't you know up to snuff that one year and whatever, and they found a way to just get it done. But over the last five years, they've been a player.
0: And they're going to be top four. Again, assuming, assuming they get anything out of these next two games, they'll be a Champions League team next season. So Again, as,
1: I, as we said pre-pod, I mean, I, I'm selfishly rooting for them hard against Chelsea so that they maybe take the gas pedal <laughs> off the last match of the year.
0: There you go. Yeah, because who plays Tottenham the final day of the season? Leicester Football Club. So best of luck. Best of luck with that, sir. Well, good. Well, that's probably a good place to wrap things up here for this pod for 2020, 2021. Our 90th episode, Bill, in the books now. Pretty good. Pretty good again.
1: Wow. So we're gonna hit the century mark next year.
0: We would be on pace right around the same time Tom Brady's playing the Patriots in Gillette. We'll be hitting the the hundred pod mark. Can't wait. That's awesome.
1: That's awesome. No, I, we appreciate you, Alex, appreciate Midco sponsorship and uh, appreciate everything that you do for UND athletics. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. We'll head to the summer. Hopefully everybody has an awesome summer. I'm not sure when we'll maybe mid June and then maybe mid July, somewhere in that range. I think maybe be on the lookout for, for a pod at that point. And then we'll get back at it in August.
0: Perfect. Two pods on the way and a Heinert Chaves golf derby coming up as well over at Ray Richards. Time and place to be determined. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Awesome. Good stuff as always. Appreciate you, Bill. Have a great summer as well. We'll be in touch. Thanks, Alex. For Build Shaves, our producer, Cassie Niles, and our entire Midco SN and UND team, I'm Alex Seinert saying thanks again for listening to this edition of the Build Shaves podcast, and we'll talk to you soon.